Lord, have mercy. How many of you know his blood still works? That was Sister Treva Jones with us, man. Thank God for Sister Treva. I've known her for many years, and thank God for her anointing as she shared with us on today. His blood still works. Are you glad about that? You know, most of us are familiar with the term hypertension. Hypertension, that, that's high blood pressure. But what few of us know is just as deadly is hypotension. And hypotension refers to low blood pressure. Low blood pressure. There, there are signs for being uh, and having high blood pressure. Uh, but the signs for low blood pressure are a little different. We really don't have a, a low scale to go to. But, but here's what we know. Low blood pressure can be as deadly as high blood pressure. You'll lose consciousness and you can lose your life as a result of low blood pressure. Well, I tell you what, in the body of Christ, some would say we are suffering from a spiritual hypotension, spiritual low blood pressure, because we don't hear a lot of talk today about the blood. Even in the communion service, we talk about the fruit of the vine and the unleavened bread, but we don't talk about the representation of the blood of Jesus Christ. And without his blood, there could be no remission of our sins. Thank you so much for that reminder that his blood still works. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, thank you for today. And I pray now that you would use your servant to proclaim your word. Uh, let your people hear from you and be encouraged to continue their journey to becoming all you want them to be, to fulfilling their potential in you. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Thousands, if not millions of people, are clicking from church to church, stream to stream, going from website to website, podcast to podcast, trying to figure out how to get more of God, especially in this pandemic season. How, how can I get more of God? Prior to the uh, COVID, people were going to conferences and workshops and, and buying books and courses, all with the goal of getting more of God. We, we want more of God. We want more of his power. We want more of his anointing. And, and what I think many have failed to understand is that the issue in life is really not about you trying to get more of God, but you understanding what it takes to let God get more of you. How do you get to a place where you are not chasing God in your mind, but you get to a place where you are actually yielding to God? You see, every day God looks for us to live a life that is pleasing in his sight. And I want you to know today that the only way to really get to a place where you are pleasing God is to seek after him. Today I want to begin a series entitled Being a Believer Every Day. Being a Believer Every Day. Now that might seem uh, somewhat simplistic of a sermon series title, and it is. 
And the reason it is, is because I believe there are some of us who have learned how to live the Christian life sporadically at certain times in certain places, and we fail to really grasp the fact that God wants us to yield ourselves to him, not some days, not one day, like on a Sunday, but every day. Not in some places, but every place. Not in some situations, but in every situation. Uh, Our text today is Romans chapter 12, and I want to begin this series by talking about living every day for God. Living every day for God. What does it mean to live for God every day? What does it take to live for God every day? And and for somebody, you may think, well, I've got to pray every day. Well, I've got to read my Bible every day. Well, I've got to show more love every day. And, And that is a, a good thing to practice. Those are good things to practice, but, but I believe there are some fundamental foundational things that must be in place before those things can even happen in your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 is our text today. This is the final section of the book of Romans, and it focuses on the practical matter of serving God. Uh, the theological foundation for our life and living, for our journey from darkness into light, has been laid in the first 11 chapters. And when we get to chapter 12, the therefore is now introducing this last segment on how we are to live our lives to the glory of God. Here's the first thing I want you to see today. Number one, You need to realize you receive mercy from God every day. You receive mercy from God every day. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the ESV translation says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. Uh, It's interesting, the Phillips translation of the New Testament says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God. Uh, This this word for mercies uh, literally means to have pity on or or a feeling of distress. It's rooted in in an empathy, not just a sympathy for others. This, This idea of the mercies of God seeing us going down the wrong path, and even though we may deserve the things that we have brought upon us, his mercy keeps us from receiving what we actually deserve. He says, uh, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Now, some of you may ask, well, what mercies have I received? You know, typically when we think about the mercy of God. We think about God responding or not responding to some major cataclysmic sin in our lives. You know, something that we are conscious of and aware of. And so, you know, I did wrong and and man, I was able to get out of it or it never came back to bite me. And so, you know, I thank God for his mercy because I know I deserve justice. I know I deserve for this thing to actually 
have not only bitten me, but I deserve for it to have taken me down and or taken me out. I thank God for his mercy. But, but Paul is not talking about a specific incident as much as he's talking about our entire walk with God. That from the beginning, born in sin and shaped in iniquity, he lays out the argument for why we should respond to the mercies of God in the way that he's calling us to. Uh, Think about this. In Romans chapter 1, the the Bible talks about the guilt of our world, Uh, talks about the guilt of the Gentiles, the guilt of the Jews, and the guilt of the entire world, that that all of us are are guilty of falling short of God's glory. Romans chapter 2 talks about the judgment of God that based on the guilt that has been described in chapter 1, God's judgment is right in chapter 2. In chapter 2, his judgment is right because of the condemnation that is revealed in chapter 3. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, we hear about the justification by faith that even though we experience condemnation in chapter 3, in chapter 4, in chapter 5, God describes for us and shares with us through the Apostle Paul the power of justification by faith because we believe in Jesus Christ by faith we have been justified. Well, in Romans chapter 6, the question is asked, well, then if we're justified by faith, that means we have a license to sin. So we should be able to sin all the more because if where grace abounds, sin abounds even more, can't we sin all we want? But Paul says, may genoito, may it not be. No, you don't have a license to sin. You have the freedom to live right. Romans chapter 7 says, well, if I have the freedom to live right and the power to live right, then I should always live right. But Paul says, no, because we got a problem, because we're still in this flesh. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. We're still in this flesh. So when I would do good, evil is always present. The good that I should do, I don't. The evil that I shouldn't do, I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this certain death? We get to Romans 8, and the answer is clear. There is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus to those who love him. So even though there's a war going on in my members in Romans chapter 7, I find no condemnation, assurance of deliverance, the power of God available for me in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, Paul talks about Israel. In Romans chapter 9, he talks about Israel's past election. In Romans chapter 10, he talks about Israel's present rejection. And in Romans chapter 11, he talks about their future restoration, which brings us to the therefore of Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, based on everything that has happened, therefore. Matter of fact, you know what? There are four times that the therefore is in the book of Romans. My late pastor, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson, who was a tremendous grammarian and syntactical genius, 
would always say whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you, get a, you better find out what the therefore is there for. And that therefore is there basically to say, with everything that God has done for you, therefore, by the mercies of God. You, you are a recipient of God's mercy. Please, please don't ever make the mistake of thinking you got where you are and you are where you are and you woke up this morning somehow because of your goodness, because of your self-righteousness. You are where you are because of the mercy of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Lamentations 3, beginning at verse 22. Let's read it together, if you will. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Romans 3. I'm going to start at verse 23, but I'm going to read a verse that many of us don't read or haven't memorized, and that's verse 24 as well. Verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, verse 24, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us, from the penalty for our sins. Yeah, when he did it for the penalty of our sins. Here's the second and final thing I want you to see. Number two, you need to continue to give God your body in response to the mercy God shows you. You need to continue to give God your body in response to the mercy God shows you. Now, now I need you to stay with me because when, when, when we're talking about giving God your body, uh, it, it includes, of course, your, your physical body, but, it, but it's, it, it's more than just the, the physical body. It's who you are in totality. Look at what he says in the B part. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The King James and the New King James translate that your reasonable service. The ESV says your spiritual worship. I'll get there in just a minute, but, but, but let's recognize some things. First of all, the world's view of the human body differs radically from God's view of the human body. There, there, there tend to be uh, several camps around how to view the body. There are those who literally treat the body as if it's all that matters in the world. And, and so they, they primp and, 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 and they're very proper about the care of their body in terms of what they eat and their exercise and, and everything that they do with their body. They, they want it to look the best and they want it to uh, impress the best. Now, they don't work near as hard on their person as they do on their body. They don't work near as hard on the kind of person that they are, but they work really, really hard. They'll spend hours a day working on their physical body, 
but they do not spend near as much time working on themselves emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Then there are others who treat the body as though it matters a little. Uh, don't, don't destroy the body because you need the body, but, but we're certainly not going to go to that extreme that others go to to take care of their bodies. But God has a different view of the human body that I believe is more alike the latter view than the former view. Uh, God has this view of the human body uh, that, that basically says this, your, your body has been given to you by God, created in the image of God, so that you can do the work of God to the glory of God. You live in a body that has been created by God. We are all, as human beings, part of God's creation. You are in a body that has been created by God, that reflects the image of God, that was given to you in order for you to do the work of God, to bring glory to God. And it's not just what you do with your hands. It's what you do with your mind it's what you do with your spirit. It's all tied. Because watch this. It is all expressed on this earth through your body. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, we have been created in the image of God. We have been created in the image of God. Psalm 139 verse 14, uh, David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully Made wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Our body was created by God, and Scripture says that it was created in part once we accepted Jesus to house the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 8 9 says. Look at it, if you will. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And that body is supposed to be used as a believer for one thing, and that's to do and display the righteousness of God. Check out Philippians chapter 1, if you will, verse 20 and 21. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, Jesus took on a human body to accomplish God's will on earth, and we in our human body are to be used by God to accomplish his will on earth through us. Paul says you are to present your body to God as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. That, that phrase might seem a little paradoxical. A living sacrifice. How, how can I be a living sacrifice? Well, it's interesting because when you look back, for example, in the Old Testament, sacrifices were never living. They came living, but when they were sacrificed, they were dead. We do have two examples biblically of a living sacrifice. Uh, one is Isaac. 
Isaac in Genesis 22, you remember uh, his father is told to sacrifice his beloved son, and he takes Isaac to the mountain, builds the fire, lifts up the knife over his son, and is about to kill his son, and he hears the angel of the Lord stop him and say, there's a ram in the bush. He goes over, and that living sacrifice was able to walk. Now watch this. Isaac was a living sacrifice because he was willing to put himself on the altar and would have died in obedience to God's will. Don't miss that. He was willing to put himself on the altar and died to himself in order to accomplish God's will. The other example of the person who was a living sacrifice was Jesus, who went to the cross and paid for our sins on that old rugged cross on that hill called Golgotha. He, he went there to die to pay the price for our sins. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, uh, present your body. Uh, that, that verse, that word, present, literally means to give yourself once and for all. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, totally, and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Why should we present ourselves to God? One, in response to the mercies of God that we have received. Remember, grace is when you get what you don't deserve, favor. But mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And as much as we want to shout about grace, somebody ought to shout about mercy. It's amazing. Uh, the 103rd Division of Psalms, when you get a chance, read it. It, it. It's a powerful, powerful psalm. And the writer of the psalm, in the first part of the psalm, thanks God for what he has received. But in the second part of the psalm, the psalmist thanks God for what he hasn't received. And, and if you think you would run out of thanks and thanking God, for what you have received. You will never run out of thanks if you start thanking God for what you haven't received. Because the things that haven't come your way that you should have experienced, the things that God has shielded you from, are infinite in number. So if you don't think you have a lot to thank God for in terms of what he has done, think about and thank God for what he has not done. Think about how whatever your situation is, it could be worse. It could be worse. But thank God for his mercy. Paul says it's, it's in response to his mercy and, and it's reasonable. It's, it's, it's your reasonable service. It, it comes from that word where we get uh, logic from, logikos. And, and, and when you think about it, it, it just makes sense, right, that, that you give God your reasonable service. In other words, consecration to God is not something that's an outlandish request from God. It's, it's not 
a request that is unfounded from God. It's not a request that is out of the ordinary. It's not a request that God is making that, that basically says to you, oh, this is outlandish. Wow. What would make God ask me for that? God says, I'm asking you for your reasonable service because of all that I have done for you. Now, let me, let me share with you uh, what, what this looks like and maybe a struggle that you may have in the last couple of minutes that I have. First of all, what Paul is teaching us here is that worship is more than an event. Worship is a lifestyle. And worship is not limited to a place. Worship is to take place through a person regardless of where they go. There was a lot of debate going on over this COVID-19 season around the church and and the church being closed, and, and is the church open? And, and somebody said to me, well, DZ, when, when are y'all meeting in person? And I said, well, we're not meeting in person. Oh, when did you close the church? And I said, the church has never been closed. We, we, we have served more people over this past year than we have in the history of our church. We have distributed more tests and more vaccines through our church than we ever have before. We, we've had more people volunteering and serving than we ever have before. The sanctuary may not have been occupied, but the church has never closed. Somebody ought to say amen there. The church has remained open, touching and changing lives, sharing with people the love of God and the saving message of Jesus Christ. Our church has never closed. We, we have gone from speaking to people in 10 states to speaking to people in 134 different countries. I beg to differ. I say the church has never been open before like it's been opened over the last year. We have moved from one building into every house. I'm telling you the church has not closed. The church has been open. And, and here's where many of us as believers where we've been challenged. We've been challenged because for us, we've measured our walk and our worship with showing up at a place. And we've never really come to understand that everywhere we go is to be a place of worship because we are there as worshipers of the Lord. So when we go on our jobs, we should go there in a spirit of worship. We should work as unto the Lord as an act of worship. When we go to school, it should be a place of worship. Wherever we go, restaurants, wherever we go, it should become a place of worship because a worshiper is in the place. And we should honor God. Honor God in our interaction with other people. Honor God and what we do and what we say, we should be honoring God. And when we are truly offering ourselves to the Lord, we're presenting ourselves to God. It is our reasonable service. I told you earlier, there are many people who are saying, I'm trying to get more of God. And I believe Paul wants us to understand that the key is not getting more of God. 
but God getting more of us. And can I tell you something? Things in life will keep you from giving your all to God. Matter of fact, when you shift into fear and you shift into worry and you shift into frustration and you shift into anger, you are moving away from presenting yourself to God a living sacrifice. I've been reminded over this last week that, that God is amazing, amazing. I'm reminded, I've been reminded this past week that what the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. I've been reminded to see God move in a way that I never could have thought, asked, or imagined. And he's still moving. And I'm saying that to you today because in the midst of me stopping and looking and seeing and recognizing the mercies of God, you know what it's done for me? Challenge me more emphatically to present myself to God, to yield myself to God, to pray more, to spend more time in meditation and consecration before God. Because when I think about all God has done that he didn't have to do and what could have happened that he didn't allow to happen, all I can do is yield myself to him and say, thank you, Lord, for your great and abundant mercy towards me. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that everything that has been done and everything that has been said has been pleasing in your sight. I thank you, God, because you have been so good and you have been so kind. And in the midst of everything that's been going on, Lord, we're reminded today of the simple thing of giving ourselves to you, yielding ourselves to you, seeking you. That's what you told us in your word, to seek first the kingdom of God. And we, and we seek you by yielding to you, by giving ourselves to you so that we could become more like you. God, for those who are believers, we've given you our soul. Now help us today, God, to give you our body our summa, this physical body, that it might be used in your service in a greater way. We thank you where our prayers fall short. We ask you to make up the differences. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're watching today and you want to know how to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, click on the link that says, I want to become a Christian. I want to accept Christ. But how? and follow the directions and I will lead you in that believer's prayer, the prayer of salvation to help you come to know Jesus as your Savior. And if you do that, please let us know. Drop us an email and let us know so we can pray for you and get some information to you to help facilitate your discipleship. If you want to become part of our church family, just click on the link that says, I want to become part of the church. I want to join the church. And we will happily show you how to become part of our 
church family. We're grateful and thankful to the Lord for not just those who have joined our church in the physical, but those who have joined our church virtually and others who have come and have been working at our church during this pandemic who have come and volunteered, who said, Pastor, I'm not a member, but as soon as the doors open, we are coming. My family and I, we are coming and we want to become part of this church family. And I'm grateful to God for that. But for those of you who may never be able to get here physically, if you join on the digital platform, uh, we will help facilitate your discipleship on the digital platform. Just give us an opportunity to help you walk with Jesus a little bit closer and a little bit better. Now, for those of you who'd like to worship the Lord in giving today, I want to thank those of you who have been giving. Your faithfulness in giving has been so encouraging and inspiring. Um, all that's going on, our, our food pantry, we, we have now our third series of COVID vaccines that are being offered. The first two were the Moderna vaccine. Um, we now have a partnership. We're going to be offering the Pfizer vaccine. Um, we're we're work, working really hard to expand uh, our health and wellness ministry uh, in a variety of areas. Uh, all of that is happening because of your giving. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Our food pantry has not slowed down at all. We're still uh, feeding hundreds of families uh, each time we open the doors. And I'm grateful to God for your faithfulness and your support and helping us take hope to the world. Uh, I want to thank all of our volunteers who have done a tremendous job, not just our givers. Thank you for your giving. Six ways that you can give, and I appreciate your giving, but I also want to thank God for our volunteers who have been working hard. Some have been out every week wearing gloves. Some have been double masked when the pandemic was at its height, and they have been faithful to address the food insecurities and other issues that many of our families are dealing with, and we're grateful to God for that. Um, if you've been blessed by the messages and you'd like to become part of a life group, I, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, one of the things that we're, we're discovering is the importance of fellowship, that many of you who are members of our church, uh, you've been more than satisfied with the worship and the word that's been offered on the digital platform, and you feel like God has been speaking to you through this medium, and I'm, I'm grateful and thankful to God for that. But I also recognize the importance of fellowship and what we have missed. And so I want to encourage you to sign up for a life group, uh, create a life group locally that will help you to experience fellowship around the Word of God, fellowship with like-minded believers to help you as you continue your walk with God. I shared with you on last week that uh, I, I need you to pray, and I want you to continue to pray. Um, and as the Lord leads you, some of you who feel led, I want you to pray specifically about the situation that we're in. Um, we've had several legal battles going on, and it, it's amazing because uh, all that we've wanted to do is, is what we're doing, and that's uh, helping people and feeding people and clothing people and the like, and we just want to be able to do it at a greater level. And 
it's amazing that we've run into this opposition that has come against us. And, I, and I'm going to claim that it's the devil because uh, nobody's mad but the devil when you try to change lives and, and touch people's lives in a meaningful way. But how many of you know greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? Um, we have three situations that I've been asking you to pray about. One of them through a miraculous work of God. I mean, it's, it's a miracle. One of them uh, looks like it's going to be resolved by the end of this month if the Lord says the same. Um, and we have two other situations. And I don't know what God is doing, but I know what God said to me. And God made it clear to me that we need to pray. We need to pray and we need to trust God and then watch God do what only God could get the credit for. Watch God do what only God could get the credit for. And I've got to tell you, I'm giving God praise and glory right now because one of the situations, when I tell you it was nobody but God that did it and how God did it, 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 it God gets all the glory. God gets all the glory for what has transpired. And I'm praying for these other two situations and I'm asking you to do the same, all right? Listen, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. I pray that you would continue to trust God when you present your body to God. Listen, go to our website. Go to our app. Download the discussion questions that will help you apply the word into your life. They're there for every message, for every sermon, to help you apply the word of God in your life. You can do small group Bible studies on Zoom with family members or friends, and it will encourage you to continue on your journey to becoming all that God wants you to be. I'm learning every day. I'm being reminded to yield myself to God, to continue to present my body to God. And I'm hoping and praying that God will do the same thing for you. All right? Lord says the same in the creek don't rise. I'll see you next week. God bless is my prayer.